All right. Um, so, as you can see, just so uh, our first passage today is 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. One verse, keeping it easy. But as you can tell, we're going to be bouncing around the New Testament today. So, if you want to grab a Bible or your device, whatever you want, uh, we're going to be turning some pages today. So, I hope you're ready. I love the sound of some pages. There's Bibles back there if you want them or whatever you want to use. We're going to start on page 1132. I'm going to read it first before we get into today. All right, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. This is Paul speaking, Paul writing. Paul says this, I wish that all were as I am, but each, everyone has their own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that. So I wish, Paul says, that you were all unmarried like me, is what he's saying. But each has their own gift and both come from God, to be married or unmarried. Paul wishes, though, he wishes that you were unmarried. People of God, this is the word of God. All right, so we're going to get bounced around in a minute, but I, as I thought about this today, uh, I've wished a lot of things in life. Uh, that was not one I think I probably have ever wished. Uh, I think there are probably times in life where if someone were to say that, I wish that you were unmarried, I probably would have punched them in the nose, right? That's not what I want. So I thought I'd just ask the room, just think about it for a minute. I don't know, what have you wished for in life? Someone next to you, just take a second. A little conversation. Think about wishes. What have you wished for? Because Paul's wish is unique, but it's really good. All right, so I'm going to give you about a minute. Find somebody. What have you wished for in this life? Think of a fun wish and like a serious wish. How about that? Let's do one of each. All right? All right, a wish. All right, did anyone hear like a fun wish, a funny wish? Did anyone wish something like really interesting, really different? I wish to play for the Los Angeles Lakers when I was little. Didn't happen, obviously. But that's, like a, that's a kind of a normal wish, I think, for a little boy. Any fun wishes? Anybody? Want to yell them out? Okay, all right. No fun. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> wish something good. I, you know, okay, all right. I wish to be Zorro for a while. My, my favorite superhero, you know, Family Channel. And what's the Family Channel Zorro? I love Zorro. Don Diego de la Vega. All right. So, uh, I, so we'll, we'll get into our series, uh, into our text here in a minute. But I just, I want to say this. I've really appreciated uh, how our leadership has brought us into this series around, uh, you know, our relationships, flirting in relationship. As I was doing a deep dive and just looking for resources, uh, most of the things I found jumped straight into the specifics. Like last week, Darren talked about marriage. This week, we're going to talk about singleness, although I'm going to call it unmarried quite a bit. Next week is sexuality. But most of the things I found went straight to those things. And so I've just really appreciated how we began. That we began right, remember this, in the circle of love, this forever dance, this relationship that has always been, always will be. It's super fun. It's full of joy. It's, that's why it's called a dance. And the Father, Son, and Spirit extended it to all of creation. So we're all invited to join this dance. And once we do, once we say, Jesus, you are my king. I think that you live, that you die, that you rose. I enter that relationship, that dance Romans 8, I can't fall out of it. Once I am in, I am in. No height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons. Nothing can remove me from that relationship. And we talk about who God is, how God is love. It's not descriptive. It's just who he is. So we're in this relationship with the most loving people, Father, Son, and Spirit of all time. And then from that place, then we start looking at how am I in relationship with people? So Jesus said, you know, the most important commandment, right? Love God with everything you got, and we love our neighbors. And originally it was as yourself, but all of us, I'm not always so good at loving myself, 
So Jesus clarified in John, said, no, love like I do. So love God and love people like me. So I just really appreciate how we've gone about this, uh, this series. And I think that stood out to me two weeks ago when Kathy spoke was, uh, so from that, so from that relationship, we're invited into the most excellent way. That has just rung in my ears. This is the most excellent way. So last week, Darren spoke quite a bit to uh, marriage, to uh, where our sexuality is best, right? That actually that our sex differences is actually baked into the creation of the whole world. When God created all things, there was difference, right? Light and dark, land, water, male, female, that as part of the created order. So to do anything different breaks from that order. And so our sexuality is best uh, used within the confines of marriage. So today, as I get into singleness, I don't think, I'm much more concerned with how we all live together today. That's what I want to go after, okay? And so to do that, before I do, I want to read you a promise of Jesus. I always start with Jesus, right? It's a unified story that leads to Jesus. So in Mark 10, 28 through 31, which is on page 1002, Jesus says this. So before we get into being married and unmarried, what Paul has to say, his wish, hear these words of Jesus. Jesus said, well, and this is, so a rich man has come to Jesus. He's very tied to his wealth. It's a thing that he values. He cares very much about how wealthy he is. It's a thing that he wants for himself for the future to, to retain and keep his wealth. And Jesus says, you have to take the thing that you care about the most and I need you to give it to me. So Peter says, Jesus, we gave up everything to follow you. You know, right? That's like, that's good. And Jesus says, yeah, that's great. He says this, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel, the good news, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. So I, I've heard that spoken on before, and it can sound like, a, man, if I do this one thing for God, he's going to give me a hundred times what I want. But what I really struck me this morning as I was studying it and just sitting in it, what does Jesus promise to us? Sure, there's fields, right? But he promises relationship. Brothers, sisters, mothers and fathers, children. So the promise is people. I've been really struck by that. This good gift that he wants to give to us is people who are connected to him. So today we're going to talk about being married and unmarried. And when we're unmarried, it can feel lonely, isolated, right? That should not be the case. Jesus says, my people will be like brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. That's who my people will be. So I've just been just kicked in the gut. So I'm really preoccupied with myself. But if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus and live into what he's promising, I've got to think about other people. So my sentence for today is this. I'm borrowing from Paul and I'm borrowing from John. I wish, it's slide number uh, four. I wish we'd pay attention. So I'm borrowing, I wish from Paul and pay attention. Two weeks ago, I'm not sure what week, First John. Uh, my dad has said in the other room that the first step in love, the first act of love is simply to pay attention. 
So as we look at marriage, to be married, to be unmarried, our sexuality, those who are trying to understand their sexuality in a crazy world, I wish that we become a people I, who I want to be that would pay attention. That's how I learn to love people. I have to pay attention. And the second thing I'll say a lot today is that I think uh, our language really matters. How we talk about stuff matters. Everybody knows that, right? Right? Tongue, important thing. So I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. And uh, um, so if I'm an unmarried person, what's like the worst question that I could ask them? Who are you dating? If they are dating, when are you getting married? If they are married, well, what, when are you doing this? When are you doing this? When are you doing this? My language creates expectation and pressure. And Paul, as we'll see today, is trying to create language that relieves the expectation and the pressure. But I'll, I'll stop it. Darren's from last week. So how I talk about stuff matters not only for me, the people around me, but the people who are following behind me. So I, listened, I read a book. It's a book on sexuality, actually. At the very end, this person was wrestling with uh, just how does this practically work? And he said, you know, I was, he was thinking, I really want my kids and those kids to, to choose a certain way of living that Jesus, that he describes here. That marriage, that sex is all within a man, a man and a wife within marriage. That's when that's best lived out. That's what I want. He said, what I'm finding though is that we are given really crummy depictions of marriage. There is no passion. There is no joy. There is no delight. There is no pursuit. It's like if I'm a kid and I'm watching, I'm speaking broadly, and I'm watching, right, and my parents don't, Go on dates. My parents don't do fun things. My parents, my dad's. Why would I want to be married like that? Is that, is that what I would want? No. I watch it on TV. It's exciting. It's passionate. I know those are different things, but he's saying our lives should reflect something that if we want people to, to follow this way, we better live in a different way. So they're like, yes, I want to do that. That looks awesome. But singleness as well. Or being unmarried. So my questions, too, matter, but also their, how they speak about, if you are unmarried, how you talk about it will matter to people who are falling behind you. If I just despise every second of it and I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting, one, my attitude stinks, and two, if I'm a young person, oh, I don't want that either. So how we talk about to be married, to be unmarried, really, really matters. How do I talk about Kelly? How does she talk about me? Well, impact how Kai and Coda think that moms and dads, husbands and wives, speak to one another. What kind of expectation am I creating for those who are falling behind me and those I share life with? So I wish we'd pay attention, and I think our language matters. So Paul's take, I wish, I wish that you're all as I am. But each has their own gift. It's a gift from God. One has this gift, the other has another gift. So according to Paul, to be married is good. According to Paul, to be unmarried is good. Huh. So I did some looking into just singleness in general. I found some really interesting trends, right? Things I hadn't thought about. Because I think, it's so strange to me, has everyone in this room been unmarried at some point in time? Yes, this is perhaps one of the most shared life experiences that we all have, right? 
and we are terrible at talking about it. Isn't that weird? Why is that? So I, what I would say, I, as I was in here this morning by myself, I'm, I'm, we can do this. We have shared life experience. We can speak two things. We understand how people feel if we would pay attention. So I wish I, that you, we'd pay attention. So I learned this about being unmarried. I use unmarried because for Paul, when I say single, I think of just a group of people, right? It's a younger person who has not been married yet. But Paul is talking to unmarried people that way. He's talking to people who are divorced. He's talking to people who have, are now widowed. So he's talking to a huge range of people. They're all feeling lots of pressure, we'll see in a minute, to remarry or be married. And it's not good. So one in four people, I think worldwide, are not married at 50. Uh, one in four, if trends continue, of our young people, so younger people, one in four, will, if trends continue, will never be married. 25% of our young people, if things continue, will never be married. I thought, wow, I did not know that. There's all this pressure to be married, but there's a lot of us who will, who are not, and who won't. And I just, you know, I say this, uh, I'm not going to say that. Okay. So we share this life experience together. And I just want us to get better at talking about it. At paying attention to each other and encouraging one another. Because for some reason, Paul thinks to be married is good. And Paul thinks to be unmarried is good. So how could Paul wish this? So we think there's pressure in our day and age to get married. The pressure in his day was over the top, right? So if you lived in Rome in that day, if you were unmarried for more than two years, you could be imprisoned, fined. There were tax breaks for people who were, were married, were now divorced, were, were widowed, and there were tax breaks to remarry. So the government system is saying, you will all be married. You must be married, right? So that's secularly, there's tons of pressure. Religiously, though, there's just as much pressure. You see, in rabbinical writings, uh, there is this, so there's this divine command in Genesis that says that we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply, right? They took that to heart. And if you were over 20 as a male and you were not married, you were sinning. You were going to be removed from things. So Paul is saying, I want to say you should do something that your secular world doesn't want you to do. And I want you to do something that your religious world doesn't want to do either. That's like a, that's a pretty radical idea from Paul, right? He says it's good. They're both good. And Paul, so he's going to recommend this, right? When someone recommends something, I like for them to have some life experience. Like I talked to them the other day. He said, if I'm going to pay for a trainer, I need to know that my trainer has trained. And I need to see that in their lifestyle, right? So when we, have, we go to someone for help or to learn something from them, we want to know they know what they're talking about, right? So it was really interesting. I found this as I was studying that uh, Paul was probably married, most likely married. So if you start tracing texts in Philippians 3, we're going to flip some pages. Um, let's see, slide 8, Philippians 3, 4 through 6. I told you, in the Talmud, in the, I hate to say it, the Gemara, which is like the, which is like the uh, commentary on the Talmud, it says, by 20, you're married if you're a guy, right? It's in there. That is religious thought of the day. In Philippians 3, 
Let's find this post-it note. Four through six. Paul's talking about having confidence in what you do as a person, like, like to do the right thing, right? So it's called no confidence in the flesh is the, is the header. So I, he said, I have reasons for confidence. He said, if anyone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh and what they do, I do. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for legalistic righteousness, I was faultless. I did everything I was supposed to do. All right? Then you jump to Acts 26.10. If you want to go there. Paul is talking about how he was persecuting the church. He said, and that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote. So to be a person who could cast a vote, you had to be in right standing with the religious systems of the day. For Paul to be in right standing with the religious systems of the day, he probably had to have been married. How was Paul no longer married? I do not know. Some people, perhaps his spouse passed away. One person said maybe when he became a Christian, she divorced him. I have no idea. Paul, though, is now unmarried. So Paul has experienced both. And he says to be unmarried is good. And to be married is also good. So he has the credibility, in my eyes, to speak to both. So how could Paul have this perspective? Why would he think this? So I thought, well, you know, Paul spent some time with Jesus. Let's see what Jesus had to say. We're going to Matthew 12, 46 through 50. How could Paul say this is good? Right? Because I think today we think of being unmarried. We are thinking about loneliness. We're thinking about being isolated, which is what happens, I think, a lot. But why would Paul say something different? So Jesus had to say, 40, uh, verse 46, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and his brothers stood outside, wanting to speak to him. Someone told them, your mother and brothers are out standing outside, wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Just one thing I thought just fun to me this morning. You think of the disciples, you think of the, the, the 12 guys, right? But Jesus says his disciples include a mother and brothers. I just love that. Sitting around him are men and women who are his disciples. So I think that's interesting. But what is Jesus doing? Because Jesus is not saying to disrespect your mom and your dad or disrespect your brothers and sisters, right? Jesus is changing how we think about people. He's trying to shift our perspective. So I will say this. In life, I have been a not good friend to many people. I am terrible at keeping up with people. I'm terrible calling them back. I'm terrible at responding to texts. I'm just not good at it. But in life, I have three friends who I always respond to, who know me intimately, who I would do anything for. Kyle, Caleb, and Kirk. So this, again, this has been a challenging teaching for me. Because he's saying, Clayton, the way you think of your brothers is how you should think about everyone who is a part of the circle of love. Like, how is that, that even possible? I don't know. It must be a Holy Spirit thing. I don't think I have the ability to do that most days. But Jesus seems to think I do. So you know, how could Paul say, I, it's, married is good, unmarried is good. 
How could he say that? Well, Jesus set the table for us. You have to change how you see. Repent, right? Change the way you see. Jesus was de-idolizing something, right? And idols are what? They're typically good things, right? Do you think about it that way? An idol, it's usually a good thing that we make too important. Marriage, family, good things. But Jesus is saying, they are good things. They're good gifts that I'm giving to you. But they cannot be the thing that you hold the highest. I have to be that. We have to have it in the correct order. So I move forward then. So I say, okay, that's what Jesus had to say. Does the church do this or does the church not do this? Because how could Paul say this? So I went to Acts 2.42, famous verse. Most people probably know it. Well, that's the wrong Acts. That's the end. I don't want that right now. Acts 2.42. It's early church, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. Sold possessions, gave to anyone who had need. To know they had need, you had to what? Probably pay attention. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together. They opened their homes with sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And when they did that, what happened? The Lord added to their number daily those being saved. Huh. It's radical. So Paul must have experienced that, right? So in the New Testament, there's all these things called the one another's. And uh, it's the way that we're supposed to live together. And they talk about them all the time. Paul wrote a lot of them. So Romans 12 is one of them. I put it in there so you can see it. Page 1,123. I'm going to find that one. I told you, we're turning pages today. Paul said this. Talking about love. Love must be sincere. You hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. What else did Paul say in Romans? Live in harmony with one another. Love one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another, just as Jesus Christ accepted you. Instruct one another. Give one another a holy kiss. I'm just going to say, give them your attention when you see them. We don't do that anymore, right? Paul must have so experienced a church that loved each other so well, like brothers and sisters and family, that he's like, you can be married. That's good. You can be unmarried. That's good. At a young age, in the middle of life, at the end of life, they gave honor and dignity to everyone. We're not going to force you into a relationship that you don't need to be in right now because it's not going to end well. You can look at statistics if you want on divorce in our country. There's lots of different factors for that. But what people need to know, above all, regardless of what has happened in life, is they have brothers and sisters in this body. We're all one body. And Peter says this, it all, all this stuff has to start with us. If we want our world to change, change has to happen here, and then we bring it with us wherever we go. I lost my place. There we go. 
So I want to go back to the promise that we began from Jesus in Mark. I tell you the truth. No one, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel, the good news, my kingdom, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. I think we can do that. I believe we can. I'm so shocked. A while back, other room, my dad said, we believe in real change. That we actually can be transformed as people, not just individually, but as a whole people group. No matter what is going on in life, if you are married, marriage is hard. If I'm unmarried and that's hard, if I'm trying to understand my sexuality, no matter what I'm going through, you can come and be here because we will pay attention to you. We will love you because we think, whatever you're trying to figure out, that Jesus can help you get through it and grow from it, transform through the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in real change. That is just so encouraging to me. Is anyone else encouraged by that? So let's say, all right, so what do we do? No, well, I want to do things. Our language matters. I think we have to pay attention to how we talk. I don't like to do that a whole lot. I just want to say what I want to say. I think I'm right most of the time, right? I have to pay attention, think about who I'm talking to and the questions I am asking because my questions create expectations or pressure. I have to think about how I talk. And second thing, so uh, I think the stat was, was said in Iowa right now, uh, I don't know, um, I think the divorce rate is like 48% or something like that. But in, with, with couples who pray together, who pray together, it's one in like 1,156. But that, that's just confined to marriage. And I'm not talking just about that. I'm talking about life. If we want to create real relationships with people, to know each other well, to be married or unmarried, and for them both to be good, what if we became people who prayed together? Because to actually pray with someone, I have to know what to pray for. And we start praying with each other and actually knowing our, our concerns, our, our hopes, our fears, our dreams, where we need God today, this week, we start to really develop intimate relationships. And you can do that with lots of different people. That's not confined just to a man and a wife, right? So Kelly and I have been trying to do this with, with our, our, our girls. We're trying, we're trying to start doing this. And we, we drive to school. We pray the same prayers most days. But we always say, how can I pray for you today? I want to pray for you today. Usually it's that no one gets hurt. Usually it's that no one falls off a swing. But we're trying to model out, I want to pray for you today. This is what we do. This is how we talk. This is how you get to know somebody. This is how you invite God into all the things. To be married, to be unmarried, to be wrestling with sexuality. This is how we do it. I'm wrestling. I'm, I'm feeling same-sex attracted right now. And I'm trying to figure this out. There's a lot of it going everywhere in our, in our world right now, right? Uh, I forget the stat right now. What do we do? How can I pray for you today? My marriage is in a really tough spot. How do I pray for you today? I'm feeling lonely. How do I pray for you today? You give people a chance to give you their own words, their own prayers, because I believe, firmly believe, However you pray, if you invite Jesus into their day, he will meet them in their day. If they're, if they're paying attention, if I want someone else to pay attention, I have to model out, I'm paying attention to you. And I don't know how this looks with all people. I always want like a, give me a playbook. Like, tell me what to do. 
how to do it. And that's, that's just not the way it works, right? So I'm going to tell a story, and I don't know why I'm telling the story. I don't think it fits with the sermon, but this morning I was like, I'm just going to tell the story, and we'll see if it works. But I think, what I, what I hope with the story is that we think, we don't think we, we don't have to know exactly what to do. That we're, we're spirit-led, right? We want people who, who know the word, but who are guided by the spirit, right? That's, that's what we want. So who knows the movie Chariots of Fire? Anybody? Okay. Yeah, famous movie. <laughs> I'm already laughing because I've told this story like 20 times. So Chariots of Fire, everyone knows the story. If you don't, what happened was there's this guy and he's a great runner. He was a missionary in China. He's super fast and he's going to win the Olympics. But the race he's meant to run is on a Sunday. So even though he would probably win the race, he says, I'm not going to run because that is the Lord's day. For me, I'm not going to do that. Right? So he doesn't run the race. He runs a different race. He wins all those races too. So he's super famous, right? But he's remarkable. That's all I knew. He goes back to be a missionary afterwards, and he's in China. And he gets put in an internment camp while he's there. His wife and his kids go home, and he's stuck in camp with all kinds of people. And they find stories of people who are in camp with him. And they loved Uncle Eric. There's this funny story. And uh, um, the kids in camp, uh, he would serve as the referee, and he'd do all their leagues. Like they're in a camp trying to find something fun to do, so he would run their leagues. He'd referee and all that kind of stuff. And the kids still wanted to play on Sundays, right? Because you're a kid. And I mean, when I was growing up, sitting inside the house on Sunday was not that much fun, right? You want to go play. But he wouldn't do it. He, 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 he's like, sorry, it's Sunday. He's like, I can't. It, sa- it says it here. I, I can't do it. But a little girl who's in camp, who knew the story, he's super famous for saying no, not on the Sabbath. He said but he would watch them just fight and they'd fight and they'd fight and they'd fight. So guess what he did? He refereed on Sundays. And the girl's blown away. When it came to him, I know what I have to do for me. He said, but because he so loved those kids, he said, I'll break my rule and I'll be with you on Sunday. So as we think about our church, we are made up of so many different stories. Instead of just knowing the answers, what if we become people who say, I'll pay attention. How do I love you? How do I will and serve your good? Not the way I think it has to go. Maybe it's the way I think it should go. But am I open? Am I willing to do something different? Because Jesus did all kinds of crazy things, Right? So I'm being like Jesus. So guys, say it again. I want to be stuck in your head. I wish we'd pay attention. Meet people where they are. Because we believe that God can do everything. Right? Amen? All right, I'll invite the band up. I, uh, I said... I think you put that prayer, that wish, uh, on my heart this week. That you want us, every person in this room, to be people who are paying attention. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know the people we interact with better than we do. And you know exactly what they need. You know exactly if they just need presence, 
if they need an encouraging word, perhaps they need a kind challenge. You already know. And you're inviting us to part with you, which is just, I can't believe you do that. It's so fun to partner with you, though. So help us not only today, but in the coming days, to help us just to pay attention to you so we can pay attention to each other. So that no matter where we are in life, whatever stage we're in, whatever condition we're in, because you say they are all good, to married or unmarried, that we feel like we have brothers and sisters who know us, who see us, who love us, Teach us to love each other like you love us. Pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.